The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We got a big Wednesday to go over, so we will dive right on in. Good day, everyone. It's Thursday, March the 18th. Marching along, aren't we? This is Fantasy NBA Today, and I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Fantasy NBA Today is a hoop ball presentation. Thank you to our benevolent overlords for making all of this possible over at hoop-ball.com. You can follow HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBallFantasy. And you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. As I've said earlier this week, I will be only doing one promo for internal stuff per episode. Yesterday, we promoted uh, the recruiting push. And today, I have a contest for you guys that I introduced a couple days ago, but we're going to do it again today and through tomorrow's show and over the weekend. So I really want you guys listening up for that when we do it mid-show. But first thing is first. Let's talk about Wednesday. It was a big one. It's a big card. We got a few little bits of confirmation mixed in there. But you know what? There's no reason for me to preview the thing. Let's just dive right on in. Brooklyn at Indiana. Pacers were actually rolling along in this one. And as we've seen quite often lately, James Harden is just taking over games late for his new team. He's been incredible. And a lot of that, or at least I thought a lot of that, was because he was able to utilize guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, in earlier stages of the ball game to either take a lead, keep it close, whatever, and he now finally has a little bit in the tank come fourth quarter. But this one, he was a one-man gang. Otherwise, with this team with no Kyrie, he sat this one out with a groin injury. Hopefully that is a short-term thing. Uh, no one really stepped up. Jeff Green was sort of the closest thing to, uh, n- you know, not a superstar and not Joe Harris, who did have a good ball game. Uh, Jeff Green was the closest thing. He had 15, 9, and 3 assists, but no defensive stats, no threes. He missed a few free throws. Tyler Johnson actually stepped up a little bit, but I'm not streaming anyone on this unit. Uh, the only thing I would look at here is, you know, Nick Claxton actually played more minutes than DeAndre Jordan in this game. And it wasn't a foul issues thing. DJ only had one foul in the ball game. He's just not as good. He's old. He's slow. I know they they signed the veteran and they feel like they need to do something with him, but keep a very close watch on whether Steve Nash can pull the right personnel and kind of emotional strings to get Claxton additional playing time. 23 minutes, which is he closed uh, 22 and a half, basically, is really close to enough for Claxton. One of the reasons that we were a little bit down on him was because it seemed like he was going to be uh, marooned in that 16, 17, 18-minute range at most. He's averaging 16 and a half minutes a game so far this year, but he's top 120 in 16 and a half minutes. If he somehow clears 20 minutes... He's Nerland's Noel. Actually, he's a little bit different. Uh, you'd see additional scoring. He's more willing to actually go, you know, roll to the rim and take a layup, take a, you know, try a dunk, something of that effect. Doesn't rebound quite as well as some of the other big men floating around because he is a little bit more, uh, he's more of a leaper, a little bit uh, rangier, not quite as stout. But just from a pure 
fantasy value standpoint, 23 minutes yesterday was a massive breakthrough. So please keep a close watch on that. He's not going to be particularly heavily rostered in your leagues. And if he is, it's because people aren't really paying attention to the fact that he had like one, maybe two good games in there. And then he's been pretty bad for like pretty much three out of every four games since then. But yesterday was super interesting. 23 minutes was a big deal. I don't know that you need to get out in front of this one because at some point Kevin Durant is going to come back and that's going to shove Jeff Green back into center minutes again. But at the very least, it's worth monitoring. Could DeAndre Jordan get phased out? I doubt it. That's kind of what it would take. Uh, Bruce Brown uh, only played 24 minutes in this game. He was actually relatively decent in his 24 minutes. He had some shooting issues, but you like the steals. Uh, If Kyrie Irving has to miss additional time, you could probably stream Bruce Brown and and most likely get away with it. On the Indiana side, we were watching a couple of things. TJ McConnell was sort of the main focal point, and he was a little bit better, but still not good. And that's the fear here, is that what was Karis LeVert going to do to his actual minutes on the court and overall time on the court? I was less worried about McConnell losing playing time. And as it's turning out, he's, you know, it looks like he's going to drop maybe three, four minutes per ball game, which on its face doesn't sound too horrendous. But the time that he's on the floor, he's not able to utilize the way he did before. He was playing kind of, he was point guard and he was sort of moving Malcolm Brogdon off ball a little bit. So he was able to log a bunch of true point guard minutes in a row. And now, with Karis LeVert around, LeVert, yeah, he's he's he can play off ball, but he's also another ball handler that slots in there. So McConnell not really getting the, the true exclusive point guard duties that he was getting before. And that, to me, is actually the bigger issue here than just LeVert playing 33, 34 minutes or whatever he's going to be getting, is that he McConnell has lost his primary uh, sprinting around like a maniac, getting steals, getting assists duties, because they have someone they can throw out there who's uh, an accomplished scorer. By the way, I still think selling high on Karis LeVert is the way to go. If you can get somebody inside the top 75 on some of this high-flying return, I think you do it. Demonis Sabonis triple-doubled with five defensive stats. I don't know exactly where all that stuff came from, but you'll take it. Four steals and a block, a bit out of character for him. Uh, but Indiana lost again. And there's uh, something something foul is afoot. I don't know if, you know, Karras is going to be somewhat helpful for them, but Miles Turner was in foul trouble. That screwed up this ballgame uh, quite a bit. Brooklyn took 40 free throws in that ballgame. Harden himself... Only 14 of them, oddly enough. Jeff Green had 10. Tyler Johnson, Bruce Brown, six apiece. 28 fouls on the Pacers. Yeah. Something's not right. You know what? Maybe I should have thought more about the the Nate McMillan firing. Like, it doesn't seem... I know that it's generally made Miles Turner a happier camper, but overall, it doesn't seem like the Pacers have taken any steps forward anything a pretty good step back so uh tj mcconnell is on the chopping block i i you know i'm hesitant to call him an, an obvious drop based on the fact that his, his performance yesterday was a little bit better 
got some shots up, got his four assists. But, yeah, I mean, we need him to get up into that six-assist range. We need him getting more than one steal per game. Otherwise, it's just not worth it because he doesn't do a bunch of other stuff. When you're an assist and steal specialist, you kind of need to get those two things. Milwaukee came back, beat a uh, Embiidless Philadelphia 76ers team, finally dealt them a defeat here post-All-Star break. Ben Simmons triple-doubled. Dwight Howard double-doubled. Played 30 of the center minutes. Tony Bradley just 16 of them. And it wasn't a foul issues thing. You have to wonder if Philly maybe considers putting Dwight in the starting lineup. If they do, I'd feel more comfortable streaming him. He's being overstreamed right now. He's been fine since Embiid was ruled out. And, you know, the one big fear with Dwight is that he's going to take five or more free throws. He only got two in this game. That's actually a, a big win for him because then he can really only miss up to two. He missed one of them. Bucks made a couple of trades right before this ballgame went down. None of them is going to be a big difference maker for the team. They brought in P.J. Tucker, sent out D.J. Augustine. Those are kind of the only two names of guys that were actually seeing minutes involved in the trade. There was some uh, pick swapping going around as well. Uh, backup point guard. So, you know, Augustine was a little bit superfluous for this Bucks team because Giannis is generally the ball handler when he's on the floor, and they have Drew Holiday, and they have Chris Middleton, and those guys can orchestrate just fine with a second unit. Dante DiVincenzo can also orchestrate with a second unit. He had a really big ball game. Uh, what you're likely going to see here is P.J. Tucker's going to come in. He's going to soak up some small ball center minutes. Probably hurts Bobby Portis. Maybe more than anyone. Portis only played 12 and a half minutes in this game anyway. He's been trending down hard as Brook Lopez has finally kind of come into his typical Brook Lopez shape. Took him a while, but uh, he's really been rolling lately. So uh, if you have Portis, you can expect he'll probably fall off a cliff. Brook Lopez likely takes a small hit as well. I don't know that anybody else is going to get dinged, and then you're not picking up P.J. Tucker anyway. Sacramento got a rare win over the Washington Wizards of all teams. Wizards actually shot the ball pretty well, uh, but the Kings did a good job of taking care of the basketball. Wizards committed seven more turnovers than Sacramento, out-rebounded the Kings by 14, and lost because the Wizards couldn't hit a three-ball, couldn't space the floor to save their lives. Just four threes in the ballgame is not going to get it done, not in this modern NBA. Over on the Kings side, so the Wizards, I you know, I you guys know I don't really care all that much. Westbrook is sitting out the back-to-back, so you'll probably get a better game of, out of Denny Avdia, but I don't know that you know you're freaking out for a one-game plug-and-play type of thing. Marvin Bagley's absence was the note to track on the Kings side. The question of who would get the bulk of the minutes wasn't really answered clearly. Hassan Whiteside came back from health and safety protocols, picked up five fouls in 20 bench minutes. Rashawn Holmes fouled out in 27 minutes, or it probably would have been even more lopsided, at least in terms of, you know, Holmes closer to 30, 31, Whiteside probably 16, 17. That's not enough for Whiteside to make an impact fantasy-wise. He needs to get at least to 20, and then sort of everything over that is just bonus. Uh, But yesterday, just under 20 minutes, and uh, missed a couple of free throws to sort of stick the the wooden stake through that ball game at the moment Tyrese Halliburton who slid into the starting lineup seems like I guess the greatest beneficiary here not that he wasn't playing pretty big minutes anyway uh Kings appeared on paper at least to just want to go smaller more often 
with no Marvin Bagley, who, you know, he was playing a little bit better lately. Corey Joseph, 12 points, three steals. He's a he's a dismal fantasy player, so no. Harrison Barnes is probably going to do a little bit more. They'll be forced to slide him up, and he'll play most of the power forward minutes now. I would think that helps his rebounding at the very least, which actually already wasn't that bad this year. Um, you know, last gasp here for Sacramento before they completely blow it up, maybe. We're hearing these weird rumors that the Kings don't want to send away Barnes and Holmes and Heald because they don't want to go into a full tank. It's not really clear what the hell Sacramento's trying to do. But for now, what we know for one more week, trade deadline's a week from today, is that the five starters for the Kings are all locked into a very large role. Short term. Detroit beat Toronto again. Raptors got some guys back, but they were rusty as hell. Freddie Van Fleet, 12 points on 13 shots. Yish. Pascal Siakam, 13 points on 11 shots. They were both awful. Just uh, could not throw a stone in the ocean. Presumably, they'll be better for their next ballgame. But as we've seen before, it takes these guys some time to get back from an illness that severely affects their breathing. There's a sluggishness. that like They're just not going to be able to keep up with NBA players for a little bit. And so, in the meantime, I mean, look at Norman Powell. I'm so mad about the Norman Powell story this year. I drafted him almost everywhere. You guys remember how high I was on Norm this year. I had him in a keeper league. I was talking about him from, like, February of last year on. Norman Powell, he's your guy in Toronto because Serge is gone and Gasol is gone and they're going to need to go small. And then he started the year so terribly... And I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and there was like three, four weeks of just him being terrible, and finally I dropped him, and then Toronto's had at least one guy hurt pretty much every single game since then. Classic case of second guy gets the sweet nectar. Ugh, that one drives me nuts. I tried to hold on. Remember the shows in, like, mid-January when I was going, I don't, I, I think you can maybe, you can move, I mean, what if it hits? And then finally I was like, all right, fine, you guys can move on. And then wham, someone got hurt. I don't remember which which guy was first. I think it was Siakam. And Powell slid in, and he's just been afterburners every second since then. Unreal. Can't believe I missed that one. In any event, uh, this is actually a buy window on Freddie Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam. I'm going to assume it'll take them about two weeks to start to really look like themselves again. And so if you can get, like Freddie Van Fleet was having a an incredible fantasy season. He was number 15 right now, minutes through the roof. I know his shooting percentage will crush you, high volume, under 40%, but big time steals, scoring threes, great foul shooter. If you can get him, and I, it probably won't be doable after one bad game here. But if this goes the way I think it will, which is I think COVID is going to knock these guys out for a, a few games, maybe you could take someone like a Gordon Hayward or Tobias Harris or Chris Paul, who you guys know I love, and just upgrade them by a round. Beef them up by one round to Freddie Van Fleet. Because at least with some of those guys I just listed off, you're not, well, Tobias, I guess, but... Uh, with the guards or or Hayward, who's sort of an orchestrating wing, you're not changing your fantasy build all that much. Yeah, if you traded Chris Paul for Freddie Van Fleet, you take a hit in assists and field goal percent, but you'd get this giant bump in threes 
and defensive stats actually this year. Interestingly, Van Vliet's been blocking a bunch of shots. Not a huge hit in uh, assists, by the way. And as great as Chris Paul's been at the free throw line, Freddie Van Vliet's gotten there more often. So it's actually kind of a wash. So just think about something like that. Maybe you could even try it now. You might be able to make that flip right now. And again, it's a one-round jump, but early-round early, uh, guys, that's a big deal. It was brought up on Twitter. It's a great idea by uh, one of our longtime hoop ballers. Uh, he goes by McBean on Twitter. Shout out to you, buddy. Who talked about doing a perceived trade value rankings. And it's hard to, to rank in such a way, but it's a really good idea. And we talk about it on this podcast all the time. What really is a buy low or a sell high? What does it truly mean? Because someone generally, you know, one or two bad games, people are like, oh, that's a buy low. Eh, no, not really, because you're not going to abandon ship on someone after one or two bad games. It takes a public perception shift to buy low or sell high on someone. Someone needs to truly believe that something that you feel is temporary is actually permanent. And so with Freddie Van Fleet, you're probably not there yet. Missing a bunch of time, that can sour owners a little bit. Coming back with a bad game, that can sour a little bit. But it's not quite there yet. The reason I bring this up is because I do think that there's going to be a slow buildup here of him just sort of not quite being himself and posting, you know, top 40, 50 type numbers for a couple of weeks. And you might be able to find an owner that's like, oh, yeah, all right. So this is just like, this is what he is now. And we've all been fooled this year because none of us really knows what it's like to come back from COVID and try to play in the NBA. I'm sure many of you listeners know what it's like to come back from COVID. I'm, you know, thousands of you listening to the podcast. I'm, I would reckon that at least a few of you have actually had it. I have not. I feel very grateful. I've been extraordinarily cautious. And so, you know, to this point, knock on wood. But, like, picture whatever your recovery was and then trying to keep up with the fastest people on the planet. I'm guessing it's not that simple. And you see this with conditioning just in general. You know, if you're even a a millisecond, a hundredth, let's use a number that's actually more reasonable because a millisecond really is quite short. If you're like, nine hundredths of a second slow in certain moments, you're going to miss your steal that you would have gotten before. Or the offense player is going to get past you that wouldn't have gotten past you before. These hundredths of a second of guys that are feeling just a little bit sluggish or the energy isn't quite there or the breathing isn't quite there, it really adds up. And we've seen it with Michael Porter Jr., who went through a long downtime when he came back from the health and safety protocol stuff. And when they're out for a couple of weeks like that, we can safely assume that they actually have COVID, even if the NBA doesn't tell us. We saw it with Josh Richardson, who's now finally starting to look like old Josh Richardson after, and I thought he was just washed. I mean, he fooled me, but I'm starting to think it was COVID related. There's a team fit part there. There was a COVID part there. Uh, Cat still doesn't look anything like himself. He's played 20 games this season now. He still doesn't really look like the usual cat. Some of that's the wrist, but be damned if some of that isn't also on COVID. This is a real thing that's creating lingering impact that we fantasy players probably notice even more than people that are just rooting for the team 
It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he just didn't have that great of a game. Yeah, well, you know, that's a long stretch of ever so slightly bad games. So wait for your moment. Loop this back around to the actual discussion we're having on guys like Van Fleet and Siakam, and then pounce. Because someone's going to get frustrated. Someone will. On the Detroit side of this ball game, uh, nice to see Sadiq Bey wake back up. We've talked about him plenty on this podcast, so I don't want to spend uh, an extraordinary amount of time on Bay. Uh, but the the key note there, and we've talked about it before, is he's going to settle kind of somewhere in between. You know, this was the big ball game that followed up the bad one. He had seven points, two boards the previous game. This one, 28 and 12. It averages out to, what, 17-ish points, seven rebounds and assists, one and a half steals. That's good. That's good. And then look at the previous three games. That's all like 14 and 3, 13 and 5, a couple of defensive stats, some three balls. He'll get cold. He'll get hot. I still believe pretty firmly that he should be rostered in fantasy leagues. I really do. Uh, he's going to be a quiet producer the rest of the way. There's no one coming for his minutes in Detroit. He's going to be playing 29, probably ish, per game. And when he's warm, you're going to get a game where he hits four three pointers which is pretty swell, and it'll average out with the games where he's cold and he's hitting one or two. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? He belongs on fantasy rosters. I saw him get dropped in a few spots. I mean, his, his roster ship is going down because of a couple of quieter games, but you got to look at opportunity. The opportunity is there, and nothing's getting in that way. He needs to be on fantasy teams. There's... It's unquestioned at this point. He'll be most likely top 100 or ever so slightly better and just sort of cruise along. Meanwhile, love uh, the love of the program here, DeLon Wright, 18, 10, and 8, two steals. Yeah, he's, he's brilliant fantasy lines. Uh, Frank Jackson started, played 31 minutes. I get the feeling this is Detroit kind of clearing the runway for a Killian Hayes point guard, DeLon Wright shooting guard backcourt. And that's great if you have DeLon Wright because one of the fears was, would Killian Hayes take his spot in the starting five? And I think this may have been a, a little bit of a hand tip that, no, he's not taking DeLon Wright's spot. He would be taking Wayne Ellington's spot in the starting five. They'll go with a backcourt that maybe doesn't space the floor quite so well. And then Josh Jackson is their gunner off the bench. Nothing else of uh, great import in that ballgame. Boston at Cleveland. Time Lord, 26 minutes, guys. Just enjoy it. Larry Nance Jr., 36 minutes. Just enjoy that. Oh, yes. Deliciousness all the way around in that ballgame. No ads or drops to speak of, but just celebration of the Time Lord and Larry Nance. I, I love it. I love it, man. We've got all, we've got these guys everywhere here at Fantasy NBA Today, and I'm betting you guys do too. Warriors beat the Rockets. Steph Curry dinged his tailbone, had to leave this ballgame, although the Warriors seemingly had it pretty well in hand. Tailbone stuff is a little finicky. I would guess that Steph probably does miss a game or two, maybe sits out a week. And in such a case, you know, you're going to see a lot of usage for Andrew Wiggins, you're going to see a lot of usage for Kelly Oubre Jr. You're going to see Draymond Green actually have to do a little bit more on offense, which he, he kind of did in this ballgame. And then the name that's popping up here lately, which I referred to as a points league darling on, I think, yesterday's show? Two days ago? Jordan Poole, who took 16 shots in 24 minutes. He is out there to fire 
right now. And thanks to a laser-hot shooting stretch, he's, uh, over the last couple of weeks, he's like a top 75 type of guy. Uh, he's not going to shoot 54% on on relatively high volume with a bunch of three-pointers forever. It's just it's just not the case. Like I don't I don't care how good of a shooter you are, that's not sustainable. Uh 40% from downtown is something he might be able to stick with, you know, f- high 40s from the field. If you get really lucky, call that the upper limit of what you're working with here. Uh, but I would pick him up here. It, you know, assuming Steph does miss a game or two, you're going to see a, a ton of Jordan Poole. And even for a guy who has sort of limited fantasy ability outside of the scoring statistical categories, he's probably going to have to do so much that'll kind of overwhelm the lack of stuff in other categories. So I like Jordan Poole as a uh, points league guy, rest of season category leagues. I think you can stream him while Steph Curry is out. Sort of the first note on the Warriors in a really long time is Jordan Poole. Houston, Christian Wood came back, played 26 minutes at 21-9. and nine. Awful at the free throw line, but hopefully that will sort of balance out in the high 60s to low 70s range. He's obviously good to go now outside of, I assume, he'll probably be resting back-to-backs. Daniel House also made his return and played 24 minutes as well. And so there are things I think we need to dive into a little bit more here with Houston because th- this is a this is a return that we were waiting for but they're still missing both Victor Oladipo and John Wall. The expectation here is that Wall will be back later this week. Oladipo presumably on the trade block an easier player to move than Walls. So you know Walls probably going to be there the rest of the season. They're talking about when they're going to scope his knee. We don't know when that when that might actually shake itself out. Uh, but he'll be playing here, you know, uh, he'll miss games here and there, but he'll mostly play for Houston. Oladipo, I don't know what we can count on there. If he gets traded to, say, the Heat, uh, someone like a Tyler Hero might come back. That would see large minutes. If he gets traded to, you know, the Warriors, then you might see, like, a Kelly Oubre coming back. It's hard to know if the person or persons coming back in, in an Oladipo trade would actually require playing time. So we can do our best to try to plan for the future, but you know we're we're limited by knowing what might come next. First things first, Justin Patton is a drop. That's an easy one. He he basically was one as soon as we heard Wood was coming back. Uh, get that one out of the way. Sterling Brown, I know he played 34 starters minutes, but I think you can call him a drop as well. To me, it seems pretty clear that when either Wall or Oladipo come back. Uh, Brown and House, one of those two guys is going to go to the bench. If both Depot and Wall play in any particular game, then both of those guys probably go to the bench. Regardless, Sterling Brown's fantasy game is pretty heavily predicated on the three ball. And so if that's not going down, then you see what happened yesterday and and the whole thing kind of comes apart. With Daniel House, aside from the free throw line, he actually looked pretty good in yesterday's game in 24 minutes. 11 points, three boards, a couple of three-pointers. If... And I've got to think he's a guy that they do try to slowly ramp up in minutes. It's just hard to say. So I don't think you need to pick him up yet. I think Sterling Brown is someone you can likely drop. I still like Jay Sean Tate. He had foul issues and didn't shoot the ball well, but got himself his five rebounds, two assists, three steals. There's just, mostly because of the steals, there's a little bit more upside there than, say, Sterling Brown or even Daniel House, who... For some reason, in all of our minds, we think of him as a 3 and D guy, but he's really mostly just a 3 guy. 
doesn't get a ton of defensive stats. Common misconception. I thought so too, but not really. Uh, KJ Martin played 30 minutes. He had 13 and 9. And he... Well, it's kind of unclear. It seems like they do want to get him in there, but coming off the bench for 30 minutes every night is feels a bit unsustainable. He's the closest one that's not like clearly one way or the other because Kevin Porter is an obvious ad. Uh, Brown, Patton, House right now are guys you don't have to have on your fantasy team. Tate, I think, is a guy you do. And then K.J. Martin is the meh, maybe, I don't think you're going to be kicking yourself too much whether or not you pick him up. Let's leave it at that. Like, you could add him, and he might have a few good games. He might not. I don't think it's going to be a massive difference maker either way. Spurs beat the Bulls. Chicago's new-look lineup, Thad Young, played 31 minutes. And, you know, as long as he's in the starting five and playing big minutes, let's just enjoy. Tomas Sadoransky, 7-7. Seven and seven. And this is, of course, the other side of it with Sado. His usage is low. So... You know, he needs to get a couple of steals or a three or a few rebounds to cover the fact that he's not going to take that many shots. And it's why I wasn't like, Sadoransky top 50! It's not getting that high. He's a starter, probably a top 90 type fantasy player, uh, but a really nice floor. Low ceiling, high floor is where you're at with that. Kobe White trending down. Again, same story. If you're in points leagues, you just hold on. Category leagues, he shouldn't have been on your team anyway. Wendell Carter Jr.'s drop. And I'm not super into Patrick Williams. So uh, things have pretty much stayed the same overnight for Chicago. Spurs side, Keldon Johnson played 31 minutes, missed three free throws. This actually would have been a pretty good game otherwise. So he bought himself a little bit more time on rosters. Jakob Pertl, 20 and 16, missed some free throws, but otherwise a really nice ball game there. And uh, Derek White rounding into shape. That was the easiest buy low we've ever given out on a podcast in the history of the show. Denver blew out the Hornets. Uh, not, not, nothing to see here on the Charlotte side. I'm not going to dig too deep into them getting smoked. Denver, I continue to maintain that Paul Millsap could carve himself out a fantasy role. He is remains a guy you don't have to run out and grab. And in a blowout, Facundo Campazzo got a few extra minutes late, racked up, I think, two or three additional assists down the stretch in this ballgame. But regardless, he's actually a pretty good steals and assists streamer right now with no Monte Morris. Will Barton is, I don't know how he's doing it, but he's he's been quite good now for about two weeks in a row and you can stream him. Uh, but keep an eye on Paul Millsap. He, he has that nine cat ability all of a sudden. Steals, blocks, boards, assists. He didn't hit any threes in this ball game, but he has dramatically expanded his range. And if this wasn't a blowout, he probably plays the last six minutes of the game and you get him up into the sort of just under starters minutes territory. So keep one eye on Millsap as we're working our way forward. He's not going to be an exciting player. He's probably going to be more in a streamer level thing. But you guys know how much I love the nine cat guys that just do a little bit of stuff all the way across the board. And he could very well end up as one of those types of guys. Okay, so just again, you don't have to you don't have to add him. That's not what we're getting at here. Uh, but just you know, monitor, please, please monitor. That's that's what I'm asking you guys right now. Monitor on uh, Millsap, and hopefully he ends up turning into something. Miami and Memphis played one of the ugliest games of the year, but 
not for our fantasy guys, because we had DeAnthony Melton every damn place. He got 23 minutes and was brilliant. 13, 10, and 6, two steals, a three ball, hit his free throws. One of the better lines of the night in, again, only those 23 minutes. Desmond Bain got 18 still, inexplicably. Grayson Allen, 25, while shooting very poorly. John Morant hit a game winner, I believe, in that ballgame, or the one to put him up. And then there were a couple of uh, free throws late. In, in any event, uh, Kelly Olynyk foul trouble. And, um, you know, he traded for Trevor Ariza, so that might end up chewing into his stuff a little bit as well. I figured Olynyk would disappear when Adebayo came back. He had one more big ball game. I don't know that you have to stick with our buddy Kelly. He is more of a streamer-level guy. Uh, over on that Grizzlies side, they really just do insist on playing like a 10-11 man rotation where most guys get meaningful minutes every night, and it's it's complicated. It's complicated. Uh, De'Anthony Melton, he's a must-start guy. I know that the minutes are difficult, and you're going to see a 17-minute game where he doesn't do very much and get really frustrated, but it's averaging out to fantasy value, and that's what should matter. He's number 89 in 20 minutes of ball game right now. So when he gets 18 minutes, he'll be worse than that. When he gets 23 minutes, he'll be better than that. The average has him at a uh, very obvious value. I mean, that's an eighth round guy in 20 minutes of ball game. So just close your eyes, plug your nose, and hope that he gets 20 plus on any given night. Mavericks bounced back, beat the Clippers. Paul George actually had a slightly better ball game. Kawhi Leonard missed a bunch of free throws. That was pretty weird. Uh, but otherwise, this is a fairly predictable game with no Serge Ibaka. He beats a Zubats as a brilliant stream. Marcus Morris got himself 14 shots in 36 minutes of starter action. I think this, I know Nick Batum played 29 minutes, but I think he's a safe drop at this point. He's sort of, you know, he's, he's turned back into low usage Batum. Marcus Morris is. You know, it's hard to say because we, we've played this game with Morris before. Looking at what he did, let's, let's do this same discussion we had a couple days ago. Looking at what Marcus Morris did in New York prior to his trade last year, he was taking about 15 shots a game in 32 minutes and scoring close to 20 points. I don't think, I know he had 14 shots yesterday. Uh, he's not going to get 14 shots every game going forward because uh, Serge Ibaka will come back. He'll take a few. He's a higher usage center than Ivica Zubats. Uh, Lou Williams getting 10. He probably goes a little bit higher than that most days. Paul George, Kawhi, their numbers were were close. So, you know, maybe you look at Marcus Morris and call him, uh, say, 12. What about 12 shots a game? Could he get up to 12? He's around 10 in about 24 and a half, 25 minutes. So if that goes up to 29, 28, 29, then yeah, you could assume that there's you know, like a, uh, a 20, 10 to 20% bump in his shots, which would get you from 10 to about 12. In 12 shots a game, we don't have a, a ton to compare it to with Morris. You could go way back to like the six, five, six years ago in Detroit. Uh, he averaged about 14 and five with uh, about two assists and, you know, not much in the defensive stat department because that's not really his thing, but like 0.8 and 0.4, something like that combined. Um, that puts him right kind of on the cusp. And, and like, we can play this game. We can go way the hell back and see where he ranked that year. But stats come a little bit differently now than they did five, six years ago. Uh, he was, like, top 120 that year. 
But his free throw shooting was also quite bad. That's easy. He shot 75% on uh, three and a half free throws per game. He's gotten much, much better at the foul line later in his career. Early uh, with, you know, Marcus Morris has bounced around quite a bit. But if you look at the most recent, like, two or three years, his regular season, his last regular season in Boston, he was at 84. Uh, last year in New York, he was at 82. After the trade with the Clippers, he was at 82. This year, he's at 89. I assume that'll come down a little bit, but it won't be 75%. So take five years ago with Detroit, where he was getting 12 shots a game, 43% shooting, so he was right on the number there, 1.43s, that number probably comes up a little bit, adjust the free throw number up, and that top 125 becomes probably about top 95. So that's what you're looking at now. So Marcus Morris is, as a starter, probably... A nine-cat guy. Probably. It's by no means a guarantee. And if he gets hurt at all and his minutes have to come down from 30 back to 25-ish, then he's once again back off the radar. Uh, You're going to need... This is if you're hunting someone with center eligibility who can get you some three balls. You're not super worried about field goal percent. Helps with free throws. Doesn't do much in the defensive stat department. It's... It's a mixed bag. You know, he's not he's not going to fit everybody's team build, but he probably is uh, fantasy relevant as a starter playing starters minutes. On the Dallas side, it looks like Josh Richardson has really pushed himself into that driver's seat. Tim Hardaway Jr. started this game against the Clippers. I don't know if that's Dallas thinking they, they wanted to get a little bit more offense into the first unit. If that sticks, then Tim Hardaway Jr. probably goes back to being fantasy relevant. Because one of the big issues there was that he was coming off the bench, and there were some days where he was just playing like 24 minutes and not getting to do anything. As a starter, he would be also in that top 100-type range. Jalen Brunson now is a clear drop. His hot run has run out, as we all figured it would at some point. Uh, And Maxi Kleba's been quite good lately. Like This was a very weird game for Dallas in that they went heavy on starters, and Rick Carlisle didn't do his goofball mixing and matching stuff. If this is the way they played every ball game, Dallas would have five damn fantasy players. But they don't, so they won't. For now, Luka, KP, and Richardson are the guys that you must be using and starting. Kleba and Tim Hardaway Jr. are just on the outside, but throw them on your watch list as well. Which, by the way, I'm trying to I'm trying to get better at uh, typing things out as we're going through them so I know exactly what I've said. And so... What we're going to do here and now is I've made a list of my eight guys that I thought were fringy, probably free agents in your leagues, or or yeah, maybe not probably, that's not the right word, but possibly free agents in your leagues. And we're going to recap them after I tell you about our newest Rate the Pod promotion. I mentioned it two days ago on this one, but I really need your help. I need the Fantasy NBA Today Army to do me this solid. And I will start to take down names because we got a winner of our last one and they got a sweet prize cash to gamble cash prize man we're not screwing around here this is a cash prize this is not promo bucks this is actual money to use uh to to go play uh and like you could bet it on one thing and win and then cash out i don't care like this isn't promo bucks this is we're giving you cash um i need you guys to go and subscribe to today in sports betting It's our Hoopball Gaming Division podcast. 
Devin and Vince working really hard. Devin uh, getting you ready for March Madness here these last couple of days on the show. The show, again, is called Today in Sports Betting. So please do open up your podcast app while you're listening to the show right now or iTunes if that's where you're if you're near a computer search for today in sports betting okay again that's today in sports betting click on the show title it's got the little hoop ball logo on there so you should be able to find it pretty easily scroll down to the bottom of the page if you're on a mobile device where the rating and reviewing stuff takes place or on iTunes you click on the rate and review tab type a review subscribe to the show type a review drop that five star in there and screenshot it to at Dan Bespris on Twitter or email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. It's the exact same way that you entered this last contest. So I know for a fact there are a number of you guys that could just do the same damn thing for our other show, which really needs it more than mine. You know, we have 650 some odd reviews. I think they've got 77. So let's get theirs. Let's try to double theirs. I I bet you there, and I'll tell you what, every single time, we get another submission on this, I'll increase the prize a little bit bigger. That's how serious I am about this promotion. Again, the show is called Today in Sports Betting. Subscribe, rate and review, and screenshot it to at Dan Bespris on Twitter or email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Listen, there are thousands of you guys listening to this podcast, so uh, I would assume that you know, the 650-odd of you that have reviewed this one, at least some of you guys can go review the other one and get yourself in line for a prize. So please do it. We need your help on that, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll give away some cash to make it happen. The names that we talked about in today's Wednesday recap, Sadiq Bey, who I believe must be on rosters, Nick Claxton, a guy you're watching, Jordan Poole, who is a points league guy, even when the Warriors are healthy right now, but if Steph Curry misses a couple of games, he probably creeps onto the category league radar just due to high usage. Jay Sean Tate, who I think does belong on fantasy rosters. Paul Millsap, he's a watch list guy. Maxi Kleba and Tim Hardaway Jr., those guys are sort of plotters right now. I would call them streamer or watch list level. And Marcus Morris, who I think, I'm not going to say he's a must-add guy. Ken, there's, there's just not a ton of upside there playing behind Kawhi and Paul George. But I do think that you could throw him in the lineups, and I think you'd be in pretty good shape with it. Okay, next thing on the docket. A relatively short, by all accounts, Thursday. Only six games, guys. Only six. We've had some big ones here to go over lately. Oh, by the way. Uh, make sure to open up an account with our buddies over at mybookie.ag using promo code HOOPBALL. That remains arguably the most important thing you could do for us here at HOOPBALL. Uh, and it's a really fun way for you guys to get yourself involved in sports betting because it's damn fun as long as you can do it slowly, responsibly. Grind out a profit. That's the way you want to do it. And if you need some help, head to hoop-ball.com. Click on the premium tab. We have the wager pass. That'll help get you set up there. With sports betting information, we also have the Fantasy Pass. All of our packages at HoopBall include access to the HoopBall exclusive Discord channel where you can interact with the pros, myself included. Get our tweet storms at the end of every day. It's fantastic stuff, so check that out as well. Utah is at Washington tonight. Sounds like Russell Westbrook is probably going to sit this one out. I don't know if it's confirmed yet, but that was the last thing we heard. Uh, Jazz... You know, not as good as they were before, but still pretty damn good. I don't think I'm touching this game on a betting side. But fantasy-wise, 
Uh, do you dare throw in a Denny Avdia on the Washington side of the ledger? Whatever. Oklahoma City, there's a lot going on out there. What's going to happen with Moses Brown? Keep an eye on the starting lineup. Isaiah Roby, what's going to go on there? Is Al Horford back in? Oklahoma City is a very interesting fantasy team right now as they sort of decide what direction they're going the rest of the way. Atlanta, uh, mostly Clint Capella's health. That's most. That's pretty much the only thing. DeAndre Hunter, not quite ready yet, although it does sound like he's quite close. So uh, I would imagine we'll see him in the Hawks next two to three games, and uh, then the slow ramp-up begins. Orlando, uh, Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon, all questionable for this game. So... You know, Knicks are favored by five if you're a betting sort. If you think that all of those guys end up playing, you could take Orlando plus five, hope that they all get ruled in, and then wait for the line to drop three or four points and then take the Knicks minus one and try to set up a middle. Fantasy-wise, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, Gordon, he wasn't very good even before he got injured, and they're keeping him on a very short leash while they try to trade him, seemingly, and that may be... a Big reason why they're not pushing him in any way. I think he's healthier than the nine minutes and two rest days would indicate, which kind of makes him a hard guy to drop. Because in the back of all of our minds, we know that as soon as the trade deadline passes, if he's still in Orlando, then they'll start playing him more. And if he gets traded, then wherever he goes, they'll play him more. So you kind of just have to sit on Gordon for a week and hope he gives you something over Orlando's next, whatever it is, three or four games between now and the trade deadline. Fournier, I'd love to get a minutes. Well, you're not playing Gordon in a Roto Games Cap League anyway. With with Fournier and Ross, you might be. Terrence Ross has been a beast when he's been in there lately, but he's missed a couple. Fournier was a beast before he got hurt because you know, they just don't have that many bodies for the Magic. Really, if any of those guys besides Gordon is playing, you probably start him. With the Knicks, sounds like Mitchell Robinson's getting close. I don't think he's playing in this one be a huge surprise if he was uh but Nerland's bounced back he looked right in their last ball game Derek Rose questionable Peyton doubtful quickly I think he's questionable but maybe trending towards probable I would continue to stream quickly if you're in a points league format I don't think that you mess around with much on the Knicks in uh, in category leagues at this point Minnesota at Phoenix this is the front end of a rematch these two teams go back to back today and tomorrow both games in Phoenix not a ton to monitor fantasy wise with uh you know with Minnesota you're just waiting on Beasley and uh, and D'Lo. Pelicans in Portland, can you believe the way that last game ended? Blazers favored by 1. I don't know, man. I get the feeling Portland may have broken the Pelicans in the last ball game. They're uh fantasy wise, you know, you're just sort of watching CJ McCollum's ramp up on the Portland side and then Charlotte is in Los Angeles on the back to back. They just got smoked by the Nuggets they'll take on a Lakers team that's been playing pretty darn well lately and uh, if Alex Caruso sits out you can probably stream Talon Horton Tucker and that's pretty much it on the Thursday evening card so uh, not a ton of stuff Oklahoma City is probably your one real non-injury related team to watch so we'll go ahead and make that Thunderhawks game your homework for the night Again, rate and review today in sports betting. I don't even care if you rate and review this podcast. I want you guys to get yourself into this next contest. Cash prize awaits. Rate and review today in sports betting. Five-star review. Subscribe so Apple doesn't think you're doing something weird. Subscribe to today in sports betting. 
I don't even care if you listen to it. Subscribe to it. Rate and review it. I'd love it if you did, by the way. And then screenshot it to me, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, or email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Thank you to those that have written in for our open DFS and social media positions. You can continue to do so if you like. Uh, But again, as I mentioned today, just ramming that contest down your throats. I want someone out there to win some money, and I want our Today in Sports Betting podcast to pick up steam. It's a win-win. Win-win-win. I guess it's three wins. Wins all the way around. I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I always talk too much. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Back at you tomorrow. Week in review. Who doesn't love the Friday pods? We'll have a whole bunch of names. This has been a damn busy week. And next week is the trade deadline. Sheesh, we'll have another one. Whatever. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.